Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. Welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, or my sorta ish new book, The Chain, which is going up on Wattpad for everybody to read as I'm doing the rewrites on it. I hope you're reading them. They're fun. I like them. Before we get started today, I do want to say you may hear a couple of rumbles of thunder in the background. I don't know if the microphone will pick them up or not, but I, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, then I checked the weather and the thunder is just going to be here for hours. And I, I want to get a I want to get the show recorded. So if you hear the thunder, maybe that's just adding to the vibe. I don't know. But I just wanted to say something about that. Today we're going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman. And oh, how that makes me feel old. But before we do, if you haven't already, please go and rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share me with more people. And the more people that hear the podcast, the better chance we have of meeting each other in community. And for me, at least, that's what this whole thing is all about. Speaking of getting to meet each other, if you're going to be in the Baltimore area, if you live anywhere near there, I will be attending Shore Leave 41 from July 12th to July 14th at the Delta Hotels Baltimore in Hunt Valley, Maryland. If you're not familiar, that used to be the Hunt Valley Inn, the Marriott Hunt Valley Inn. It's now the Delta Hotels Baltimore. It's a nice hotel. It's a nice convention. They're going to have a lot of fun people there. So if you're into that sort of thing, Michael Shanks is going to be there. Lexi Doy, um, Lexa Doig is going to be there. Anson Mount and Ethan Peck. Nichelle Nichols, who is a wonderful person to go to a convention and see. John Glover. Erica... Um, Durantz, Aaron Ashmore, Laura Vandervoort, and Alex Malari. They are going to be there as the main guests. There's going to be a lot of other people there, of course, writers and whatnot. So if you can make it, come say hi. I'll be there. I'll probably be doing all of the LGBT panels that weekend because that's what I do. And I would love to see you there. All right, let's talk about Batman. So now here we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman, which would have come out when I was 12. Yeah, this is one of those ways I get to feel old with pop culture. This movie was one of the first movies that I actively wanted to see. By this point in my life, I was a huge fan of the 1960s TV series, which was on in reruns at the time. And I had been reading both Detective Comics and the Batman comics that were out at the time. And, oh my goodness, I was the biggest Batman fan, and I wanted to go see this movie, and I was afraid it was going to be sold out. 
And so it was going to be playing at this uh, kind of sort of strip mallish place that had a theater in it in Frederick, Maryland, where I was living at the time. And I begged my folks to let to go down to the theater early, like a couple weeks early to buy tickets. They didn't think that there'd be any need for that. You just show up to the theater, you buy your ticket and you go in. So I begged my sister, can we please, please, please go get tickets in advance? Cause I really want to see this movie. I want to see it. I want to see it. So we went down a couple weeks ahead of time. We bought tickets for me, her and a friend, a couple friends of mine and her daughter. So we could see the movie the day it came out. We had a matinee ticket so that we could all get in early at the first showing because this theater, at least to my knowledge, was not doing a late night showing. And even if they were, there's absolutely no way my parents would have let me go to that. And so the day of, we get there, we pull into the parking lot. The parking lot is full. It Oh, good timing on the thunder. I hope that got recorded. The, <laughs> the, the parking lot was just packed with people. And we all gathered around and got got in, walked up to the to the booth. It's one of those places where the booth was actually on the outside of the building. So you had to buy your ticket before you could get in. And we went up and we showed them that we had our tickets. They ripped our t- tickets, gave us our stubs, let us inside. And to my 12-year-old hearts, just sheer thrill... They had a 1960s Batmobile in the lobby. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was a real one or if it was a recreation of it. I don't know. It looked just like the the Batmobile. And let's be honest, when you're 12, I don't know about today, but back then when you're 12, a Batmobile is a Batmobile is a Batmobile. And so I begged my sister because they, you know had a thing where you could go get your picture taken inside the Batmobile for a little bit of money. It was, the thing was like five bucks and she said yes. And so we went and got our pictures taken sitting in this 1960s Batmobile with the two cockpits and everything. And, oh, I was so excited. I was so excited. And we went down into, they, they also give a sticker. They also give me a sticker that was a giant Batman symbol that when I say giant, like it covered, I remember putting it on my trapper keeper because that's what we had back then. Do kids still have trapper keepers anyway. Um, and it took up like the entire cover. I mean, it was huge. And we went down, sat in the theater. And back then that was the glory days where they didn't run ads. They just showed a few previews and then on with the show as nature and God intended. And the movie started and Tim Burton's Batman came to life. And Danny Elfman's soundtrack woke me up and Michael Keaton just astounded me. And there was Jack Nicholson. Oh my goodness. One of the best Jokers of my lifetime. Not the best Joker. That goes to Mark Hamill. And I don't see anyone dethroning him anytime soon. Oh my goodness. 
it was such an amazing experience. I got out of, we got out of the theater after the movie was over and immediately went up to the ticket stand to buy tickets to see the movie again. It was sold out for the next three days. So we bought our tickets then and came back three days later and we watched it again because it was so good. That was the first movie I can remember ever going to the theater to see multiple times. And I think we went to see it like three, four times in the theater. And as a kid, it just, it was so different from anything that I could have ever imagined on screen. Because you have to remember prior to this, the superhero movies were, that I was familiar with, were the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. That the first two were really good. I loved Superman 3 when I was a kid, but even... As a child, Superman 4 and 5 were things that happened. (laughs) They were movies that got made, but, oh, probably shouldn't have been. But they were corny, and they were silly, and they, you know, really didn't take the character seriously. And here was a Batman being not only taken seriously, not not only was the Joker being taken seriously, but this entire world that I had previously only seen in comics. Because remember, you don't get to see a lot of Gotham City in the 1960s Batman show, so any images that you had in your head of what Gotham City looked like came from the comics. And there it was, larger than life on the big screen for all of us to see, and we just took it all in. And I remember that that was like all me and my friends could talk about that summer was that Batman movie. We were so into it and so in love with it. And it's one of those like peak memories of my life. And I know that sounds like maybe sad, but you know, we hadn't lived in Maryland all that long, but we lived there longer than I could remember having lived anywhere. And I had friends there and it was all so magical and it was all so new and it was so wonderful to experience with them and to continue talking about with them. And of course we got the toys and we got the t-shirts and you know, it was Batman mania that summer and it was wonderful. And it's one of those things that I feel like every child should experience at some point in their life. Just that utter thrill that they hear these things that they had only ever previously imagined alive on screen in front of them. And there aren't that many opportunities to do that nowadays, I don't think. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense or, oh, the kids these days or any of that. But back then, yeah, they had done a lot of press and stuff to get us excited for the movie But we didn't have the internet and we didn't have the drip, drip, drip of late leaks. And there weren't the 25,000 trailers that had come out previously that had spoiled every little thing that we could possibly be excited about having, getting to see in the movie and getting to go in, in that state with all of that excitement, you know, it's, it's one of those things that. 
I look forward to when it can happen. And there are very few times when that does happen nowadays. I think Infinity War, I kind of got close to that place. Definitely for Endgame, I was there. I am probably going to be there again for uh, Rise of Skywalker, though I'm a little concerned about it with J.J. back, because, man, The Last Jedi was so good, and I don't want to debate that again. It was a great movie. I liked it. But we don't... I don't know. There's something different being an adult and being a child. And that level of just sheer joy is something that I don't know that I'll ever be able to recapture in my life. And I hope that one day something will do that for me and I'll be able to have that again. But let's talk more about the movie and less about my experience with the movie because I've already (laughs) talked about that a lot. The, The glorious thing about Tim Burton's Batman and its follow-up, Batman Returns, which I also really, really love. And to this day, I consider the last really good Batman movies to come out. Because, let's be honest, if you didn't call the Christopher Nolan movies Batman movies, nothing would change. If you took Batman out of those movies and just had it be Kristen Bale running around beating people up, nothing would change. There's nothing intrinsically Batman about those movies at all at all. And I will go in on that further should you require it again. But the the sheer amount of playfulness that was allowed with these characters that they took an actor like Michael Keaton who up until that point had been known primarily as a comedic actor and let him inhabit this role where you could believe it. He was the everyman Batman. He wasn't overly muscular. He wasn't the Bat. He w- he wasn't the Christopher Reeves Superman. He wasn't the Sylvester Stallone. He wasn't the Arnold Schwarzenegger. And reportedly, um, I think it was was it Arnold or I can't remember. It was one of those guys. It was either Arnold or. Um, Sylvester Stallone it was either him or Arnold Schwarzenegger who said that this was the movie that single-handedly destroyed the blockbuster movie that had been up until that point because up until that point it was all about these big muscle-bound actors doing things that were physically impressive and from that moment on it was about spectacle and you know special effects and whatnot and I don't know if I agree with that because The thing that made, especially the first Batman movie here, good, the one that we're talking about, is the story, the characters. These are characters that make sense. It's a story that works on its own merits without having to have previously understood a lot of Batman lore to get into it. Everything that you need to know is explained in course of the movie. Why does he dress up as a bat? What happened to him to cause him to want to do this. The whole story with Martha and Thomas Wayne. Now, they did all that without making it into a true Origins story. He is already the Batman by the time the story starts, but of course he starts figuring out that 
Mr. Napier, the Joker, is the man who killed his parents. And that gives them the ability to go back and tell us his origin story without having it be a Batman year one, without it being the origin of the Batman. And this is something we wouldn't really see again until, what, Spider-Man Homecoming? Where we really didn't get an origin story for Spider-Man? Or if you want to put him back to uh, Civil War? You know, so many superheroes feel that it's necessary to go over their origin story. And the brilliance of Tim Burton's Batman is while it's in there, he's a fully fledged superhero by the time the story starts. He's already the world's greatest detective. And the story plays on that. We see him in the Batcave actually doing his detective work. We see him doing the investigations. It remembers who Batman is, what makes him special, and really plays on those things as his strengths while giving him a cast that works. And the most amazing thing about this movie is it shouldn't have worked. They didn't have a completed idea for the script by the time they started filming, and the entire movie was shot in just three and a half months. Many of the scenes, the actors would be given their lines not long before filming. And on top of that, apparently uh, Jack Nicholson spent his nights out drinking and partying, would come in and sleep in the makeup chair while they put the Joker stuff on him, and then would hobble onto set and then just turn it on. This is a movie that on so many levels should not have worked. Especially at the time, superhero movies weren't as accepted as they were as they are today. But it did because of the care and craft that somehow made it into this movie from the visual direction that you get that makes this a very Tim Burton movie with a very gothic appearance of Gotham City, which is just iconic and has really changed the way so many of us think about Gotham City. The soundtrack created by Danny Elfman is classic. If, if you've never sat down and listened, just listened to Danny Elfman's san- soundtrack, I think you'll be surprised at just how beautiful it is. And the fact that they brought in Prince to do a second soundtrack that would also play throughout the movie when they needed to have some kind of modern music playing. And, oh man, Prince's soundtrack is so good. Party Man, Party Man, oh, definitely check that track out if you've never listened to it. Party Man by Prince. You probably know Bat Dance. Most people know Bat Dance. Party Man. Oh, that's such a good track. But it was just a confluence of a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of things real quick that somehow, somehow came together into a coherent film that is still worth watching now. It's one of the few Batman movies that I go back to and watch over and over and over again because the characters work, the story works, the music, the visuals, everything just works. And that's rare 
especially in a movie from this time period, it doesn't really feel like a 90s movie for the most part. It does have some of the more over-the-top acting choices, but it's the Joker. So you kind of roll with it. I'm not saying it's a perfect film by any stretch, but it's a movie that meant so much to me as a child. And to this day, I think still stands up as a great example of what a Batman film could be and should be. And, you know, after the Christopher Nolan things and after the Ben Affleck things, and now we're all worried about the next Batman movie. It's good to know that it will always be there as a shining example that you can do a Batman movie right and make it stand the test of time. 30 years, man. That, that's crazy. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do want to put one correction in for yesterday's episode on Lucifer. I don't know why. I believe I called Trixie Zoe at some point in the podcast. I don't know why I did that. I, I, I really don't know why I did that. I thought about that sometime after it posted and I was just like, wait a minute, did I call her Zoe? So if I did, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. That was weird. Anywho, if you haven't already, please rate this podcast and whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. If you've got a buck you can throw my way in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon account and the community support page. The difference between the two is the people over at Patreon occasionally get stuff. Um, if you don't, if you could do that, that would really help out so much. Um, money's really tight right now and yeah. So thank you in advance if you do that and thank you to everybody who does do that. If you don't have the money or you just don't feel like joining the project right now, that's fine. That's completely fine. But if you know somebody that you think would like this podcast, please do share it with them. That helps out a lot too. Don't forget, I'm going to be at Shore Leave in Baltimore. It's just north of Baltimore, Hunt Valley, Maryland, in um, J- see July 12th through 14th. You can find out more at shore-leave.com. Um, really excited. I love this convention. I've been going for a very long time, and I'm very excited about that. If you want to if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, you can hit me up with a voice message. Find a link to do that in the show notes. Or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm C.E. Dorson on both. Everything else you can find linked over at projectshadow.com. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.